How y'all doing? I'm Paul Ryan, your host of Across the Cowboys. We are part of the Across the Board podcast family. And of course, guys, with me as always is my co-host, Mike the Pig Crumb. Mike, how are you how- guys? Uh, Mike, good, where- man. <laughs> Mike, where can we find you at on Twitter? Uh, I'm at, at CD Piglet. Okay, and again, I'm Paul Ryan, and you can find me at Paul Ryan 15 Again, that's a Paul underscore Ryan 15 for those of you who don't know. Now, as Mike and I try to get on the same page here and not talk over each other, I know we're all excited. <laughs> uh, this is episode four, and we are continuing on with our Cowboys schedule breakdown. Last week, we did talk about the first four weeks uh, and the uh, schedule. Now we're talking about weeks five, six, seven, and eight. And again, guys, if you are interested, I mentioned last week, Mike did write a really good article on the Cowboys schedule. You can find that at acrosstheboardsports.net. Really good information. Mike discusses his process on how he he evaluates the game and what leads to his ultimate decision on a uh, win or loss. Really good information there if you are interested. Mike, here we are now in the – I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but last week we did kind of come to the decision that after the first four weeks, I don't know if this is our real guess or, you know, how we really feel, but we kind of came to the conclusion that if the Cowboys can make it out of the first four weeks at two and two, we'd both be pretty happy. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, you ideally you want to go three and one. You'd like to go three and one in that, but all four of those games uh, have unique problems. You know, they're, they're not ideal matchups. So if you can get out of there two and two, you're not upset about it. You're not like, dang, we're two and two. We needed to get more three and one's ideal two and two. You walk out, you're happy. You get ready for the division. These next four. Right. Yeah. There's definitely some uh, shootout potential games there and, with some stiff competition, some teams we don't face too often, you know, talking about the Cleveland Browns there. But again, like you mentioned, there's some unique problems there and the way the teams match up against each other to come away with a two and two record would be a a good way to start the season given, you know, all things considered. Yeah, exactly. The conditions are a part of that too. Like, you know, we're, we're going in with a new coaching, a new defensive scheme. We have no idea if they're even going to be able to, like do it on the field before, you know, get properly prepared. So with the matchups we have, uh, Atlanta's receiving core, um, Brown's receiving core, having to go on two West Coast trips, having to go to Seattle, uh, having to open up a stadium for a team, you know, and they're going to be all pumped up. You get out of there two and two, I'm I'm happy. I'm not going to be upset with that. Yeah, Mike, I have to agree with you there. The traveling and everything, it's – Could prove to be difficult, um, but we will see. Again, uh, we uh, came to the conclusion that we'd be happy with a 2-2 and record. So here we are. We're moving on to week five, and we're facing a very familiar opponent. We're facing the New York Giants. In uh, 2019, the Giants went 4-12. and They finished finished third in the NFC East division. Uh, 2019 proved to be a bit of a transitional year for the Giants. You know, they in the draft, they drafted Daniel Jones number six overall. They traded away Odell Beckham Jr. And as the time 2019 got started, it didn't take very long for Daniel Jones to get his start. He makes his NFL debut in week three. Uh, he has actually a 
pretty good game and overall a solid rookie season. Yeah. And now, you know, now he's the uh, full-time starter in New York. Uh, New York gets a new head coach and they get a new offensive coordinator. And they also added some pieces on the offensive line uh, via the draft. You know, before we talk about the on-field matchup, there are some interesting storylines here. You know, the game is uh, going to be on CBS, and we all know a, a certain analyst who calls games on CBS. But yeah. look at this here. You know, we have Dak, who is the current Cowboys quarterback, and he's looking to sign a long-term deal. Then we have Jason Garrett, who was a backup quarterback for the Cowboys back in the 90s. He wins two Super Bowls. And he's he was the head coach of the Cowboys, and now he is the offensive coordinator with the Giants. And then we have Romo, who was a the Cowboys quarterback for eleven years, who was ultimately replaced by Dak. Uh, Mike, you know, just um, thinking about all the all those things, do you think that Garrett has this game sched, uh, circled on his calendar? Oh, this is a double. This is a double circle. See, I, I went in. It's funny too because. Like I said, when I break down the schedule, I really try to put in the the human psychological aspect to it. And I went in thinking at first, like, okay, this is going to be a, a – the Garrett thing might be a slight advantage Giants. Right. Because, you know, he's going to have that team ready. Hey, we got to beat my old team. But I got to be honest with you, I, I think I'm leaning more that being an advantage Dallas. Not only do we know them, but you don't think that team a decade – worth and how much we've we've as fans i know i'm one of them that has been like dude this guy just holds us back like he's he's so um he's so conservative in his in his philosophy and everything he never lets you really go go get it he was so um you could see it coming he was so predictable what he was going to do and i just think that the that the team's going to want to be like Let's go. We're going to put it on him. He's not coming into Dallas, the first division game, and beating us. So I flipped on that over the um, over the, the last, I'd say, couple of weeks where I was like, this could be advantage, you know, motivational advantage for Giants. So I think it's motivational advantage for Dallas on that, just being honest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I'm sure Garrett does have this game circled on his calendar for sure. Yeah. You know, I've got to wonder, does he have something to prove? He was on the hot seat, what felt like for a couple of seasons, you know, he failed to meet expectations. We talked about that in length last week. I mean, we've discussed that often, even on Cowboys Twitter. I mean, you know, we, a lot of people have been wanting Garrett gone for three or four years now. Um, He's finally gone. I wonder, I mean, he, do you think that Garrett feels that he has something to prove? Yeah, I'm sure he does because if you go uh, if you go through like when that when when we decided to keep him, I almost instantly was like, well, we're not going to win anything. Like it, he just that's been what it was honestly for a long time when he was going eight and eight and eight and eight and eight and eight. Uh, early on, we were like, okay, this guy can't get over the hump. And then he got some really good teams. And when he got really good teams, he was able to ride those teams. And, and they got 12, a 12 and four record once. I know they uh, had a uh, 13 and three in Dak's rookie year, but I never felt he elevated anything. So I'm sure he's going to come in and he's always been a better coordinator. I thought he was always a better coordinator than a head coach, honestly. Um, 
he got more conservative as a head coach than he was as a coordinator. He, he, when we got him as a coordinator and paid him as much as we did our head coaches because he was an innovator and he passed more and he did unique things. And then he got into the head coaching spot and just went into non-analytic predictable mode, run it one yard up the middle. And everybody's talked about it. I mean, we've talked about it for years. So yeah, he he's heard it. I don't care what you say. He's heard it. And so, yeah, he comes in definitely with something to prove. I just don't know if he's got the, the guys at his back that uh, McCarthy does, you know, to get it done. You know, Mike, I have to agree. And Garrett's defense, he has always had really good offenses. But like you mentioned, it just seems that he never elevates a team. You know, he he probably is a better coordinator than he was a head coach just because of in-game management. But again, to his defense, he always had good offenses. And a lot of people kind of feel that, he might have wasted a lot of, if not most of, Tony Romo's career here. And, you know, he held us back last year. I, I think that's safe to say uh, every all Cowboys fans agree there. But, again, you know, he, he is an offensive-minded coach. He knows how to run an offense. And he's got some good weapons here in New York. You know, he's got Daniel Jones, the, the rookie quarterback. He's got Saquon Barkley, a, a top five, some say even – top three running back in the league. And then, you know, you've got the experienced wide receiver and Golden Tate, a good slot receiver and Sterling Shepard. And then they, uh, a young up and coming receiver, Darius Slayton. And not to mention, you know, this guy can't stay, seem to stay healthy, but Evan Ingram went on the field is very effective. What are you, what do you predict is going to happen on the field uh, week five? I like a lot of their stuff. I I do. I feel like the Giants are a year or two away. Like they're building up good. Um, I like Deion Lewis. He's uh, he's a good uh, receiving back. Can give Barkley a break. The thing uh, that I think is going to happen this year with Barkley is is under Garrett. He's going to get a lot more run up the middle carries. A lot more get beat up carries. And so as good as he is as a receiver. You do want to do some limiting. So if you can have Deion Lewis come in and, and help out with that a little bit, um, that'll help keep him fresh, Barkley fresh, because it's going to be needed. He's going to get the ball a lot. And uh, the O-line is getting better. Uh, Nate Soldier's likely going to move to right tackle now. That was a terrible contract. I actually like Pert. If there was a way to get out of Soldier's contract, let him go and just have Pert and Thomas play this year and build as the tackles for the future, that would be much better. Um, I don't I don't love the wide receivers. I don't think they have a number one, you need your corner to shut this guy down, wide receiver. They have that at tight end. If he can stay healthy, they have as good a player at tight end. If Evan Ingram's healthy, he's going to be up there with Kittle or Kelsey. I honestly believe that. He just – he can't stay healthy. He's never healthy. Um, on the defense, they're, they're underrated. Like, you don't think anything of it, but I'm assuming they're running 3-4 with the way they built their guys. Williams and uh, Lawrence as the five techniques with Tomlinson in the middle. I like the addition of Fackrell. He didn't really get a chance to play in Green Bay. They brought in uh, a couple of stud pass rushers in 2019, but in 2018 he had double-digit sacks. Um, they're going to need Golden to come back. Uh, it's going to be begrudgingly. He wants some money, but the, if they're going to be anything, they need. They can't have Fackrell as their main outside pass rusher. He's got to be a number two. They need Golden in there. And I like that they signed um, Blake Martinez, a good middle linebacker. He'll help 
uh, in that 3-4, and they brought in Bradbury. And Bradbury's a big corner. He's a top-10 corner, brought him in from Carolina. Um, you put him with Peppers and the rookie McKinney that they got in the second round. And they have pieces. I just think they're a year or two away. I don't like how they match up against Dallas at all. Right. It kind of sounds like the uh, Giants have had a very Garrett-esque offseason. You know, they had a uh, kind of a – they didn't have a bad draft, but they had a a somewhat of a bland draft. You know, they got good pieces, but nothing really exciting. And you already mentioned the free agent signings that they got. Good pieces, but none of them exciting, just – Really bland fits that Garrett mold, right? Yeah, bland, bland is a great word. It's not bad. It's it's filling. The protein's there. The nutrition's there. You're getting what your body needs, but there's no salt. There's, there's nothing that busts you up, that tastes fire. There's no spicy saltiness. Yeah, kind of like a cracker, right? Yeah, a non-salted cracker. That's That's about it. My mouth is getting dry as we speak. So it sounds like uh, here here in week five, Mike, you, you've got the Cowboys. I don't know if I want to say an easy victory, but a victory nonetheless. Is that right? It, it's one they need to win. This is one of those games where you go in. I, I get Jason was your old head coach, and his team's going to be playing hard, and it's division and everything. But this is one of those ones that that team just doesn't match up well. Even their strengths – where they're really strong, their their front three and the uh, three four really big strong guys. Well, they got, you're you're running against Tyron Smith and and Law Collins. So I don't care how good your five techniques are, you're going to need great linebacker play. And they have two. They could potentially have two decent uh, outside linebacker pass rush guys, but neither of them play the run that great. Blake Martinez is a good. Uh, a good addition, but he's not enough to where you'd be worried that, you know, Zeke should go for a lot this game. The play action should work well. They, they just don't match up well. And then on the other end where we're poor, you know, they can go to Barkley and Ingram in the passing game and hurt us. But overall we're poor at DB, you know, on paper. And I just don't see their wide receivers like good enough to, to take advantage where they beat you in a game. Right. And uh, Justin, you know, talking a little bit about, you know, I guess recent memory, you know, last year on that Monday night football game, the the black cat game, if you'd like to call it that, that game, which should have been an easy victory for the Cowboys, given the giant situation, it did. It seemed like until maybe the early stages of the fourth quarter was a little bit too close for comfort. I mean, had the Giants been a little bit more experienced if Daniel Jones had, uh, I believe there was a couple of missed opportunities down in the red zone. I mean, had we been facing a more experienced QB or just a, uh, a better offense, you know, we might've lost that game. So, uh, you know, again, I don't want to uh, circle this as an easy victory, you know, cause I do think that that offense has potential. We're kind of like you though. I, I think they're about a year or two away from being, real threats in the division. So I'm going to go ahead and give us the W here just because of how the teams match up. But I am kind of curious, you know, we know the relationship that Romo and Garrett had off the field, you know, they were, they would go to Duke basketball games together and things like that. Now that Garrett's no longer associated with the Cowboys, you know, we also know the relationship that Romo has with the Jones family. 
that now that Garrett's with the Giants and Romo's with CBS and Dak is the quarterback of the Cowboys, could you kind of see Romo being a little bit more honest about what he's seeing on the field from Dak and the Cowboys? I, I think it, his thing's been pretty good. I think he's pretty honest about it. Um, I, I think he he'll he'll he has his his back and forth now because we all know he loves Jerry and we know he loves uh, Garrett. Right. So I don't think it'll be as much of a you know not that he doesn't in his announcing, but in his mind he won't be just all Cowboys. I think they'll. You know the the Giants hate will be there, but he won't. He doesn't want his. He doesn't want Garrett to do uh, bad. You know, right? That's a terrible wording, but he doesn't want him to uh, to just stink and get fired. You know, that's still his his guy. That was his quarterback basically forever, or his coach forever. Yeah, I just kind of wonder how what the relationship between Romo and Dak really is. Cause you know, a lot of people were under the impression that during 2016, that Romo was kind of a mentor to Dak. We'll come to find out it was really Mark Sanchez and that Romo and Dak, you know, they weren't enemies by any means, but they didn't really have a, a relationship. So I just kind of wonder if, um, you know, Romo has any sort of ill will towards Dak just because he couldn't get his job back and, Ultimately, he ended up retiring because, you know, Dak, Dak took the job and, and kept it there. So I just always kind of found that interesting. I, I always wondered if Romo ever held back when he was, you know, calling Cowboys games. I know there's a group of fans that are affected majorly by that. I don't know how much Romo is, but they have the uh, they have the you have the myth fans who think Romo uh, you know, was on the sidelines and Dak's ear and everything, which any re- you can go look at any report and find out. Just matter of fact, uh, Andre Jackson will send you the video on Twitter uh, of uh, Brian Broaddus and them telling you like, no, dude, Romo had nothing to do with it. That was Mark Sanchez saying Romo was rehabbing and he was working with the practice squad guys. Um, but there is a contingent like the they're called the Dak hate hive. Mm-hmm. They because uh, only because he took Romo's job, they just can't stand the guy. Like no matter what, like you could just be like, "Yeah, he's good, man. He's a fourth year court. No, he stinks. He's terrible. He's the worst." There's people that literally want Dalton to play over him, which is just like punch me in the face, stupid. Yes, the uh, Dak hate hive is as a, is a uh, they come in swarms and they they don't use reason they don't think with logic and it can be amusing you know i know there for a while i was fighting fighting the the dak fight and uh i just got i got tired man Th- those guys they just are unreasonable yeah they wear you down they really do well mike um here we are now we're we're one and know it's uh, week five. We we beat the Giants, and it, it's always good to get that divisional victory. We're moving on to week six, and it looks like there could be a, another shootout here. We have our first Monday night football game of the year, and we're facing the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, last year, they were 5-10-1. and one. They had the uh, Woley tie in 2019. They finished last in the NFC West. Um, however, they did have four games where they lost by single digits in 2019. 
Last year, we did see them make that trade for Kenyon Drake. And this offseason, they trade away David Johnson and they acquired DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins, who he himself is a top five, maybe a top three receiver, depending on who you talk to. And they add him to that offense. When it comes to week six, Mike, what, what are you expecting here? DeAndre Hopkins, Nuke, as we call him, he's my wide receiver one. He's my best in the league. Um, I, I have no idea how they got that trade. Uh, well, we know how they got that trade because who's in charge in the Texans. But they're, man, that wide receiver court. Listen to this receiver court. Nuke, Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald. Maybe the best wide receiver now and one of the most gifted wide receivers of all time, Hall of Famer, Kirk. Uh, Andy Isabella running the slot with Kirk. Then if anybody gets hurt or they just need a break, Keyshawn Johnson played good. I'm I'm Fresno State. I'm from Fresno. So I know the guy's a good wide receiver. Like, I actually feel bad. I want him to go to another team because I think he could be a real productive player. Um, he had a good rookie season. He, he was a... Uh, a good had a good connection with uh Kyler Murray, but I just he's barely gonna get on the field. Um so they're they're that wide receiver group going up against our DB safeties is nightmare city. Um that definitely a shootout. I think this game is just because of the air raid system has 35 plus to both sides look all over it. Um the question is going to be, can they protect Kyler Murray? You know, on the other end, Dak's looking around, and we may not know how great the center left guard is going to be, but we know they're not going to be holes. Like Joe Looney played a year, we made the playoffs. He'll be fine if he has to go in there. Uh, Connor Williams has played left guard. We've made the playoffs with him. He, he's not like a sieve. He's not a. He may not. Kyler Murray doesn't have a spot that's not a sieve. I love the Josh Jones pick. What a great value to get that guy still a rookie you don't know how well he's going to do in his first year he might have to run up against tank um so can they can they keep kyler on his feet if they can this is like 35 40 41 38 type of game uh i'm looking at arizona's defense they have buda baker and peterson's nice but they don't have much else in the secondary I like the addition Simmons, great addition, and Leaky Fotu to put in the uh, nose tackle spot. Really hard to move in there. And they have Chandler Jones, who's pretty much the most underrated player in the NFL. Like, he's not talked about. He He's probably the best pass rusher. Like, just look at his numbers. I know you're thinking, like, Chandler. No, no, no. Go look at his numbers. He's walking 15 sacks. Like, he is just a walking and get you 15 sacks. He's Vaughn Miller. He's just not known. And he does it every year, but he got stuck in the Patriots and Patriots are more about the team and Brady and Belichick. Then he goes to Arizona where nobody watches and he just gets double digit sacks every year. Just kills everyone. Just awesome. Um, It is our third straight home game. I'm definitely, you know, going to give us the edge. It's, it's a trap game because the next two are division road games. So that's scary. Um, especially if you're doing really well, if you've uh, only got a loss, maybe two losses on your record right now, and you feel good and you're four and one or whatever, and you look ahead and you got Washington and Eagles, it could be scary. But I think a shootout, I think uh, we have more protection and we have uh, better um, 
pieces to be able to uh, complete pieces to be able to run to hold up with the line we can score with them our wide receiver core is not as deep but top heavy they're as good so i would i would give us a w here but i i could 38 40 points it's gonna take right yeah the cowboys are definitely going to have to capitalize uh, in the red zone an issue we had last year just to kind of keep up with the Cardinals there because we, you know, we just talk about their offense and all the weapons that they do have. I am kind of curious as what the head, the coaching matchup we've got uh, Cliff Kingsbury against Mike McCarthy, who's been out of the league for a year. I just wonder, will, will that be the, will that be where the edge is had in the coaching department? Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think we have an advantage there. You'll notice a lot of coaches uh, their first year where they have success, they try to lean on that again, and uh, defensive coordinators get a hold of it. Look at McVay. Uh, you could look at um, almost all of them, even Kyle Shanahan, who's elite, will have uh, uh, when he first started had um, off and on because teams get your tapes. So now you get to see the air raid system, what happens now that teams have 17 weeks to look on it? What worked? What did well here? How did they stop this? What alignment worked against that? And then uh, on the other hand, they have nuke now. So, so it could be something where it's like, Oh, you think you could stop that, but we have Deandre Hopkins now. So you can't. So that is interesting. I would give the edge to McCarthy. I mean, he's, he's won. He's been to multiple NFC championship games, so he's going to get the edge. But it is, it's something that you, you got to see is, is he going to take the step up or is he going to take a step back? Um, especially in a system that's new, the air raid system, new to being seen by defensive coordinators, his style. Absolutely. You know, you got to imagine that with Kellen Moore, now he's going to get his second year with this offense and with adding CeeDee Lamb uh to the offense as well and not having, I guess, Jason Garrett looking over his shoulder, kind of still trying to control the offense and things like that. You know, now he gets Mike McCarthy, a guy who's in his own right, a a good offensive minded coach as well. It'll be exciting to see what he, what kind of game plan he has up against Cliff Kingsbury, uh, somebody who was offensive minded um, as well. So it sounds like Mike here, it's uh, their third straight home game. It's on Monday night football and you're going to give the Cowboys a, a slight edge and you're going to give them the W, right? Yeah. I, I like the, uh, I, I like the team a little bit better. I like that they don't have to travel. So that's nice. If they come in ready to play, they're more complete. Uh, if the uh, wide receivers and the passing game of the Cardinals gets going, we have the ability to run. And uh, I know people don't like that, but maybe keep the possessions down a little bit. Uh, red zone is scary. I mean, the, 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 the team turned into a running team under Garrett when they got inside the 20 and, um, and they didn't, they were very predictable. They didn't run very many, you know, specific things to do stuff well in the red zone. So we're hoping that Mike McCarthy improves that and Kellen Moore can do what he wants to do and improve that. But, yeah, I have to give Cowboys the, uh, the W in this one. Well, Mike, I hate to be so boring. I'll have to agree. You know, a little home cooking always does a body good. And for us not having to travel, and it's going to be our third home week in a row, I, I'm going to give us the slight edge as well because I do think that our experience just overall, as far as players on the field and on the sidelines, I, I'll give that the edge, and that'll 
when that's a clo- what I imagine to be a close game, a shootout, but a close game nonetheless. Yeah, I agree. So we're starting off two and zero. You can't, you know, you got to be happy about that. We're moving right along here to week eight, and this right here, this is a intriguing matchup in my opinion. Just so week, because, week seven. Excuse me, week seven. I, I'm a little ahead of myself there. We're at week seven, and we have another divisional opponent. Um, this may may or may not be a shootout. You know, we there's still some questions on this team's offense, but. We're facing the Washington Redskins and that dreaded defensive line. They bring in Ron Rivera. They draft Chase Young. Now Dwayne Haskins, his job is, proves to be safe. He's going to be the starter. They have Terry McLaurin, who was a had a very, very good rookie year. And they've added some depth to that running back room. They still have Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, and they're bringing Peyton Barber. And then they also drafted Antonio Gibson out of Memphis, who is a running back wide receiver hybrid. Mike, when it comes to the Redskins, is there something – does this matchup scare you at all, or do you feel like this is an easy victory? Oh, no. This matchup's terrifying. It, it is going to be – I don't see a shootout at all here because their their front line is just – you don't want it to be a shootout. You, I mean, it, you just – that front line, you don't want them getting many shots at their quarterback. I would love it if we could go honestly Garrett here and a little bit more run and control them. I don't know if you can control them up front running the ball. I mean, they're a big advantage. Listen to this setup in here. Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Matt Ioannidis, Tim Settle are their DTs. So, and, and our inline now, you don't know, is it going to be uh, Biotish? Is it going to be Looney? Is it going to be McGovern? Is it going to be Connor Williams in there? We don't know. We know Russell, uh, uh, Russell, Russell Martin. <laughs> we know <laughs> Zach Martin is going to be at the right guard and he'll be fine. Whoever he goes against, he may lose once or twice, but he, he's going to be good. But the other two spots, you don't know. So that's rough. And then they're bringing the guys that, I mean, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Obviously, you have Chase Young coming in, rookie year, who's going to be a monster. And then uh, uh, Kerrigan. Kerrigan was the name I was blanking on. He always gives us trouble. And he's like the extra. He's the older extra guy now because they have Sweat and Young coming off the edge. That pass rush and that run stopping of just their line, not their linebacker or anything else, is going to make this hard because we don't, we haven't seen that we can run an offense that adjusts to that. You know, the Garrett's offense, when we ran into Washington, every time I was like, oh God, here we go. Because you knew what Garrett was going to try to do, no matter what the advantage, disadvantage was. You should be attacking their secondary. You should be play action, try to get their linebackers and secondary and attack them. But you just – you don't know if they'll do it. It feels like one yard run up the middle. Um, and uh, I want to cut down possessions. I want to cut down the pass rush. But you've got to be different. You've got to do it uniquely. You Can you do screens? Can you run off tackle? Can they, can they beat people to their spots? Now – on the other end, do I like their matchup versus us? I don't. I mean, Haskins, we don't know what he's going to be in the second year. He ended the year really nice. I like the way he ended last year. Um, 
can Gibson or uh, uh, Golden jump in year one and make a big uh, hit? Because right now all they have is Scary Terry. You don't know about Geis' health. They don't have a tight end. So offensively, do I think our defense matches up? Well, yeah, I do. I, I like it. You, you know, you got to worry about uh, Terry McLaurin. But their offense doesn't scare me. But on the other end, that defense is is not afraid. They're not going to come in afraid when you could load that team with people that come after the quarterback over and over again and stop the run. Uh, I think this is going to be one of those ones that really test what do we have coaching. Because if you can walk into Redskins and put up 35 and win a 35-20 game, now you're going to peak me. This will be the game where I'll go, oh, my goodness, we did that to that front, and I'll be excited because it means that you did something in your game plan that said, okay, we know where they're strong, we know where they're weak, and we're going to attack the weakness. We're not going to say we do what we do and we'll eventually win that way. That That's not winning football. That's how you go 8-8. Eight and eight. So this game, I do lean us because I don't, I don't think their offense is ready to score even even with us uh, having to face that front seven. I think we'll put up points on their secondary, and I don't think their offense is good enough. But this is a barometer right here. This is a barometer game for our coaching staff and how they prepare and how they game plan and how they attack this uh, team's strength and weakness on the defensive end. Yeah, with the additions that they've made to their defense and then bringing in Ron Rivera, you know, the Redskins' defense is going to be a a force to be reckoned with, not just against the Cowboys, but against all of their opponents uh, in 2020. I, I, I agree with you, though, Mike, that if we were to come, you know, if we were to go to Washington and we were to beat them by 10 or more points on their home turf, that would really say a lot about not just our offense, but our coaching staff, you know, uh, that would say that we had a, a, a game plan and we made in-game adjustments that we haven't seen in a long, long time. And if we could beat a defense with that, with, with those pieces, you know, especially we you know we're, we're just talking about the defensive line, but if we could score 35 points on a defense like that, I mean, that would be something to hang your hat on. Because, again, we've seen – we haven't seen it a lot, but we've seen how tough they can be when they are all healthy. So to, to score 35 points on them would, would be a, a, a good barometer, like you said, about what our offense is capable of. I will say that when we're just matching up defense versus defense, offense versus offense, and coaching staff versus coaching staff – I will give the overall edge to Dallas because I don't think that Washington has the pieces on offense that we do. And I'm not sure that their secondary can stop our offense. And I don't see that they're, I don't see their offense really giving us a lot of problems, especially in our secondary. Again, we still don't know what to really expect from Dwayne Haskins. And we've seen what Darius guys can do when healthy, but that we haven't seen much of that either. We haven't seen much of Haskins, um, you know, because last year was his rookie year. He only started, I believe, what was four games, I, I think, or maybe six at the most. So uh, I'm going to give the edge again here to Dallas when we talk about the coaching staff, match up our defense versus their defense and our offense versus our offense. And yeah. You, you, you can't be too mad about 
going on a three-game win streak. The the thing about the Redskins is we talked about their D-line, and it's great, but then you go to the linebacker. Like, I don't know if Ruben Foster's playing. Thomas Davis is excellent player, like, all-time, but he's older now. Bostic, I like Bostic a lot. He's not great or elite. Their secondary, I like the addition of Darby. I think he could be good if he if he returns to form off an injury, if he plays like he did in 2018. But Landon Collins isn't great cover guy. He's more of a run stopper. And with their front, they, they don't need a big play, safe, a run-up safety like that. They need more of a cover-the-field safety, somebody to help out on the back end. If if our coaching comes in and and game plans correctly, they should be able to attack their linebackers and secondary. It's just we still have Garrett mode. So until we see it, you know, we still have that mindset of one yard run up the middle. And and I hope McCarthy and and Kellen Moore can attack it more. And like like we were talking about, this is the barometer. If they do attack it and walk out of there 35-20, because I, I don't think they're going to score too much on it. They're, they're going to want to keep this game 20-24, you know, 21-17. And if we can get up into the 24-28-30 mark, I think that says a lot about the difference in philosophy. And uh, I would be really excited to walk in the first division game and, and uh, you know, put up some points on Washington and attack them correctly. It would be really nice to see. Absolutely. And it's just, uh, you know, going back to last year, we kind of saw two different Washington teams last year, you know, week, I believe it was week two, we face off against Washington and we have to face Case Keenum. And, you know, the Cowboys at that point, they, their offense was, was looking to be elite. However, come to find out, it was just a competition that we had been going up against. But, you know, the Cowboys were getting off to a slow start, and, you know, they ended up winning that game in Washington pretty pretty easily, if I remember. But then week 17, when the Cowboys are still fighting for a playoff spot, we have to face Dwayne Haskins, and the uh, Redskins had just let go of, of Gruden, and Callahan w- was the uh, interim head coach. And we kind of saw – the Redskins offense come alive a bit with Dwayne Haskins um, at the quarterback. And they also, they, their wide receiver, Steven Sims Jr. He had a pretty good game against us as well. But again, if we, if we just saw two totally different teams in one year. So I just kind of wonder what to expect from the offensive that, side, because Ron Rivera, you know, of course, he's the defensive-minded guy. And when he – he Cam Newton, when he had Cam Newton as quarterback, we saw Cam Newton, you know, he had an MVP season. They go to the Super Bowl. I just wonder if their offense can get going, you know, if they're, if Darius guys can stay healthy and they have another receiver who uh, pairs well with McLaurin. I mean, could this game be – be harder than what we think. You know, this isn't a game that we're just going to walk in and get a victory, but I, 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 this is not a game again to be taking, taken for granted. It kind of, you know, we talked about it last week against the Browns that this isn't, this isn't going to be an easy victory. Like you said, though, if we can go in there and put 30 points or plus on them against this defense, the Cowboys fans should start to get excited about the possibilities of what we can do in 2020. 
Un, uh, unpopular opinion. I thought it was a really smart move to stick with Haskins. Uh, you go back and watch those last few games. That kid was playing really good. And, you know, one of the reasons I'm not, I'm not really big on drafting a, a quarterback that's basically played one year. So I wouldn't have got Haskins early because I knew it'd take a few years to develop him, but I, I like him. I think he's going to be good. I don't know if he'll be, ready the next year or two but he's he's gonna cause problems he can play you know he's not your mobile guy like people want nowadays but the Redskins line is good enough to allow him to have a pocket and uh he wasn't working with a lot last year and played really well the last three games and now you're bringing in guys to build with him like um Gandy Golden and Gibson to go with Scary Terry and and they're, they're, that offense is going to do stuff in the next couple of years. It's just can they keep the defense together long enough to where the offense catches up to where they can be a complete team? Absolutely. And a health and, you know, and the contract era and everything, the salary cap era, if you will, trying to keep those dominant uh, defenses or offenses or just dominant teams together has proved proven to be difficult. It's just how do you value – how do you value certain pieces? But like you, I have to agree with you, Mike. I thought it was the right move to stick with Haskins. Um, you know, you can't really when a when a quarterback only has one good year in college, it can be tough to try to evaluate him. And do you really want to invest high draft capital and a player like that? I know you're essentially you're you're drafting for the upside. Like you mentioned, though, you know Haskins did look good towards the end of the year and it was nice to see Washington stick with them you know we recently uh, Cliff Kingsbury might have started a trend where the year prior before he gets hired the uh, Cardinals invested top 10 pick in Rosen and then the following year they trade him away for a second round pick when they draft Kyler Murray you know you kind of wonder then we heard the uh, rumors about Ron Rivera possibly taking to attack of Viola at a uh, number two overall, they decide not to and stick with Haskins. I just, you know, you got to wonder if our team's willing to move on from a quarterback who doesn't pan out after, after year one, regardless of draft capital. Yeah, man, Rosen. I hate that. And Rosen was my QB one in that draft. Boy, was I off. I mean, not that he got a fair shake, but. Man, I thought I thought I legitimately was like, look, I'd sneak that guy wherever I could get him and let everybody else take those other guys, and he's going to be a good quarterback. And then he's basically a, a backup and leading to out of the league. So, oops on that one. It's just you never know. Even a a player with high college pedigree, and you know. Uh, more than just a one and done college guy, you know, somebody who's stayed in stayed in college for three or four years, even those guys don't always pan out. So it's been kind of sad to see what's happened with Josh Rosen. I mean, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have been mad had the Cowboys thought about bringing him in as a backup quarterback for Dak, but that's neither here nor there. So it sounds like we both have the uh, Cowboys winning this third week seven, their third matchup. Um, and we're going three and zero here. Yeah, five and two overall. Not bad. Right. See, yeah, I'll take that. Cowboys fans. Absolutely, yeah, five and two. I'll, I'll take that in the first seven weeks. They're, I mean, about here we're... Ma- they're about to be mad at me. 
Right. Well, here we go, Mike. We're we're taking a trip to Philly. I was hoping the NFL might throw us a bone and and either give us a bye week or give us an easier matchup. But we're facing another division opponent opponent. And we have to face Philly. Philly, who goes nine and seven last year. They beat us in week 16, which proved to be the uh, uh, crucial matchup that wins them the division. And, you know, we kind of talked briefly about all the moves that Philly has made. And prior to the NFL draft, though, Mike, you know, we were kind of as the offseason started to unfold, Philly had had made some good moves. And you and I had kind of agreed that the division was Philly's Phillies to lose prior to the draft. Do you still feel that way now? I do not. I have oh, flipped okay. on that. I don't think the division is Phillies to lose. Um, a lot of the offseason is going to have to do play a part in that because we have new people coming in and they're, they're acclimated the last three years. You know, they know each other. So that definitely can have an effect. But no, as of right now, um, I didn't love Philly's draft. Uh, I love their, their free agency, Darius Slay trade, signing Jason Hardgrave, bringing in Nikkel, uh Roby Coleman to bolster their uh, cornerbacks and uh, help on the D-line, give Fletcher Cox some help in the middle. Um, he was starting to, not a lot, but you could see the slight decline. You know, when you're elite, it doesn't show much. But you bring in a hard grave, and now, I mean, you could have a slightly less Cox when it's those two next to each other. That's going to be a beast. Um, I hated them losing Malcolm Jenkins. I, I think their their safeties might be worse than ours. They probably are worse than ours. Um, they lost Jernigan, so they lost some depth, depth on the line. Um, the the the. I didn't really, I didn't really like the draft. It didn't make sense to me. I felt like they drafted three of the same guy, just at different levels. Like Rieger's a uh, a speed stretch the field guy. Um, he's at a second round, uh, late first round level. They reached a little bit, but they wanted to get speed, so they got their guy. And then they went in and got High Tower and Watkins, who pretty much do the the same thing. Um, so I didn't love their their overall draft. That was their big weakness was wide receiver and then um, safety. I just – I don't like the way they addressed it. I think, um, you know, you look – if Deshaun Jackson's healthy, he's going to be doing what they do. So you have a kind of washed Alshon Jeffries. So you're just going to have two guys that are kind of speed deep guys. I understand uh, system uh, – Peterson's system and, it, and his – the idea is – stretch the field so that Carson can play to the tight ends and the, and the running back underneath. So that makes sense. But if you get a team that's good at stopping that, that can cover the tight end well enough and, and tackles well enough, then what do you do? Like you're hoping to hit the big play. And then if that doesn't come where, you know, you don't have your other guys, your, your big receivers, your, you, you have basically limited yourself. Um, so I don't love that overall. Uh, so I, I would say that the Cowboys have the edge. Obviously, they've had their draft was killer. Their off season's been killer. They've just been hitting home runs. And anybody that knows me knows I am not a homer like that. Like like we were talking before, me and you uh, were arguing with our good buddy Nick about who's better. And like we're like, look, we're not going to sugarcoat, you know, stuff and go, well, this could be or this, 
you know, uh, should hopefully will be what it is right now before the draft. Eagles were the better team on paper. They had won. They were together more. They had the uh, the camaraderie that we don't get to get together because of the the coronavirus stuff going on. And so we're not homers about this, but now after the draft and the full free agency's kind of gone through, I look at it with the schedule and I go, nah, I like Dallas more in the division. Right. You know, just kind of adding to your points, Mike, you know, the prior to the draft, the Eagles were having the better off season. You know, the, the Cowboys did make some, some solid additions, but they didn't make any, game-changing signings, if you will. You know, we ended up losing Byron Jones. We've already touched on that. It just seemed at that point, prior to the draft, that the Eagles had improved their team more than the, than the Cowboys had. You know, now after the draft, I think the, the playing field is definitely leveled a bit, slight edge probably to the Cowboys, just considering our offense. Um, you know, I don't think that the Eagles' defense is – Defense is much better than the Cowboys, but, you know, probably is slightly better. However, I, I think that the Cowboys offense is much better than, than Philadelphia's. That being said, you know, you talked about the receivers that they did add. They added a lot of speed. And, you know, with this inexperienced secondary, that, that could prove to give us a lot of problems. That's still yet to be determined. But when we're just talking about the week eight matchup, Mike, what, what are you expecting here? Uh, I don't like this matchup for us. It's really not about Eagles versus Cowboys. You know, it's not a team thing for me. We don't, we don't even know if Wynn's going to be playing, you know what I mean? He's injury prone. So I, I don't go in it looking just at like, Oh, the teams, it's not, but look at the advantages they have. We're playing our second of back-to-back road division games. Philly was at home against New York the Thursday night before. So they get 10 days to prepare where we're coming off of a game where you're going to get beat up in the trenches with Washington and you got to travel. Um, and then their extra days to prepare. I just, I don't, I don't like the matchup here. Uh, I think we're going to have a better record coming in uh, going over the schedule. Our schedule is more, advantageous than theirs is early and so i think we're going to come with a better record they're going to be motivated uh you know by that trying to catch us and uh they get 10 days to prepare and face the giants no offense you know aren't aren't stacked and then we got to get beat up in a road division game against washington and then travel to there where they've been sitting around resting so i know my uh Twitter friends are not going to like this, and I apologize, guys, but I do not have us beating the Eagles at Philadelphia in week eight. Very good points, Micah. This does, you know, when I was just kind of uh, getting ready for the pod, I was looking over, and there's always those hiccup games, if you want to call them that, a hiccup game, a trap game, whatever you want to call it. And this does kind of have those feelings. And, you know, I didn't look – at the Eagles schedule. So that was a great point there that they're going to be on 10 days of rest where we're coming. We're going to be traveling again after, like you mentioned, getting beat up a very physical game that could prove to be the difference. You know, sometimes those Sunday night games, especially against Philly, we always have weird, weird 
primetime games against Philly, like something weird happens, you know, like just last year we talked a bit about the uh, Black Cat game against um, the Giants on Monday night. And I remember in 2018 when the uh, Cowboys were had just recently acquired Amari and there was that before game scuffle with, with the Eagles players that, that actually – seemed to light a fire fire for that team that that year but this just has the feelings of one of those games where something weird's going to happen and you know maybe the cowboys don't show up until the second half or you know we have just some random fumble or like a a special teams blunder if you want to call it that and that just proves to be the difference maker so you know just because of the human elements uh, like you referred to last week and everything uh you know the traveling and all those things i unfortunately i'm gonna have to give the l to the cowboys here this week like you mike and we're gonna go three and one in these these next four weeks which is not not bad for four weeks but you know i always hate to give the the eagles a a victory over us yeah me too i don't like it either you know i went over their schedule and they that skins game first week's gonna be brutal um, they got Rams and Bengals. They could leave that two and one, but then they go two Niners, two Steelers. Then they have Ravens coming into Philly. Those three games could all be losses before they get the Giants on Thursday night and then on 10 days rest get us. So just going by our logic, it's possible we could be coming in at five and two, six and one even um, if things go really well. And they're coming in at, uh, what would that be, three and four? Would that be one, two and one? Yeah, something in that one where they're at a losing record coming into the game. Uh, and uh, and I just see that as, a you know, getting that 10 days and going, hey, we got to get this one. We're behind getting super prepared, Cowboys week. Uh, and um, I just don't like the advantages they have. The teams are close enough to where – 10 days rest and having to travel can play a big, uh, a big advantage one way or another. And so, yeah, I couldn't find a way to give Dallas that W I wanted to guys, but I couldn't do it. Not here, not going into the bye. Right. Yeah. Of course we, you know, we want to go four no, but you know, these, these last two matchups, really, they, you, when you look at them both, I mean, you, I, we could lose either one. We could we could even lose both. You know, again, we we already talked about the Washington matchup, but the the matchup against Washington, the matchup against Philly, those are ones that intrigue me the most. Just because it seems like when we face a an opponent in the division, weird things seem to happen. It's like maybe we blow them out, or or we just have a costly turnover. Just there's always some something weird. It's like either we blow them out or we lose a close game by just some random interception or like a uh, random pen- penalty that proves to be the difference maker, just something like that. So uh, these division games are always tough, especially the ones against Philly. I think Philly might be our biggest rival. Uh, you know, when we're just talking about here in the DAC era, what do you think, Mike? Oh, yeah. In the Dak era, they're definitely the Redskins and Giants haven't even been competitive. And then you look at the fact that Carson Wentz was drafted uh, second overall behind Goff and they traded up to get him. And then Dak goes to the fourth round 
and um, and there, you know, uh, uh, Eagles fans will take Carson Wentz, and Dallas fans will take Dak Prescott. But most of the um, neutral fans are at worst fifty fifty on the two. And so you talk about getting one in the fourth round and getting one trading up to the second overall pick that starts a rivalry right there, you know, before the fact that your division and they won a Super Bowl uh, in 2017 and uh, we're in that, in the Dak Carson era, we're two and two division wins. So yeah, they're definitely the, the main, uh, the main rival going right now for Dallas. Right, and Eagles Twitter is not shy about how they feel about Dak and how they view Wentz. And somebody posted a, uh, somebody tweeted earlier today. It's like, now hear me out. What if both quarterbacks are just good? And I thought that was funny because, you know, we're all just always seems that Cowboys Twitter and Eagles Twitter is always going at each other's necks, talking, you know, trying to prove why Dak is better than Wentz or Wentz is better than Dak. In actuality. You know, when Wentz is healthy, he's shown that he is a good quarterback. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Cowboys fans will kind of uh, bust Eagles fans' chops about, well, if he's so good, then, you know, why did your backup quarterback win a Super Bowl and things like that. But, you know, when you're being honest, I mean, that that year Wentz was having an MVP-type season, and I don't – I, he he's definitely better than Nick Foles. I can't imagine had he played that game that he he wouldn't have won it either. You know, we we don't know that. But to, you know, when people say that Foles is better than Wentz, you know, I think that's just maybe uh, Dak Twitter just trying to stir the pot a bit, trying to get the Eagles fans riled up. But I do think both yeah, of these quarterbacks jo- are very good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so do I. You you know what happens is. Um, this is no offense to Carson Wentz or the Eagles. They've won more recently. Like they, they have won two divisions to us, but they're just not national like Dallas. So what happens is every talk show in the world has to get Dallas Cowboys stuff on and they bring on the Orlovskis and they bring on the Stephen A. Smiths and they bring on the Shannon Sharps. So that, that, that undisputed show is basically built on one guy likes Dallas and, and fakes like he's a Cowboys fan. And one guy fakes like he hates Dallas. Shannon Sharp doesn't hate Dallas. Skip Bayless isn't even a Cowboys fan. You can look that up, too. That is an absolute fact. I have the the tweet where he's like, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I just really like the way the team's built, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. But they have to get on national news. So what happens is national news pumps out this stuff about Dink and Dak. And Dak's no good at this. And Dak can't do this. And Dak. And so then it becomes a thing. And so the half the Dallas fans and everyone in Philadelphia is arguing back and forth. And and I was always one that was sitting there going, he's really good fourth year QB. But then everybody was like, Oh no, he sucks. Andy Dalton, this Carson Wentz, that. So then you start to break down the stuff and you see that no, no Dak has a resume at least as good as Carson Wentz at baseline, at least as good. So you know, one of them is great MVP level and the other one's terrible. Andy Dalton should replace because of the national news only pumping on one of them. I know Max Kellerman has been on a, uh, on a, uh, it's been a thing with Dan Orlovsky back and forth. You know, that's been one of their um, scripts, their comedy scripts that they write out. So it's been more of a thing lately that people have been down on Wentz. But if you look on their stuff, like last year, you know, um, uh, Wentz wins the division 
But quarterback stats-wise, he wasn't even in Dak's league. I mean, whatever the reason, injured people, whatever, they weren't comparable as quarterbacks stat-wise, but his team won. Okay, well, the last three years, Dallas, you know, you know, Dak Prescott's led the is second in the league and wins. What do they say? Well, it's his team. It's so like when it's when it's good for one side, it's stats. Well, look at Wentz's stats. It doesn't matter if Dak wins; he's carried by his team. And then in the year Dak does good, now it's like, oh, well, he went eight and eight. Well, yeah, coaching, defense, all that has to do with it. So both are good, but the reason that the debate comes about is because Dallas's national news. And crapping on them is a way to get clicks and get ratings and stuff. So Dak gets underrated, and the Dallas fans have to come out and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no. he's." And in order to do that, you you break down the other quarterback. In order to even them up, you go, well, at least our guys played a playoff game, or your guy's always injured, or, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so it looks like this, this battle between the two, when the truth really is, is they're both good. If you make an, an argument for Wentz, it's that potentially with his arm and where he was drafted, and he has the potential at his best to be a better quarterback. And then the Dak side, you look and you go, durability. I know Dak's good, and I know he will play every week. So there's the, the truth is they're both good quarterbacks, but it's going to just be like that on Twitter because that's what Twitter is. They follow first take and undisputed and people get their stuff out and then you have to try to correct them. And in doing that, you kind of overdo it. Like I have a thing, uh, me and John Williams are always talking about how Jalen Hurts is the actual starter of the Eagles. It's funny, (laughs) you know, it's not true, but you have to come back with that because people are, are overly critical of Dak. So you become overly critical of Wentz in order to match the two out to where they really are, which is both good young quarterbacks. Absolutely. That at the end of the day, you look at Carson Wentz, you look at Dak Prescott, both of those guys are good NFL quarterbacks. Both of those guys are, are franchise quarterbacks and you'd be happy to have either one. I mean, I, I would personally, I'd rather have Dak just because of, you know, work ethic, leadership, and seeing seeing his performance on the field, and you mentioned durability. I'd rather have Dak over Carson Wentz. At the same time, though, had the, had the Cowboys drafted Carson Wentz, you know, I, I'd, I'd be very happy with Wentz. You know, he's he's missed some some important games in his career, but when he is on the field, he's very good. And he hasn't always had the best teams around him either. Definitely not the best receiving weapons. Yeah, but in the, you know, in his defense, he's a good quarterback. Yeah the the main the main only issue you have with Wentz, we know he had the locker room stuff. Um, that that they like Foles because he went to the receivers more. He kind of spread the ball out more, and Wentz is more of a tight end, running back type guy. But the real issue is, can you trust him to pay, play? So when his contract, you know, if he's injured the next uh, couple years and the guaranteed money goes out and you've got to get another contract to him, do you want to pay him if you just can't keep him healthy? So that's his real only issue. And because of that, yeah, I'm going to take Dak too because statistically they're both good. They're just both good fourth-year quarterbacks going into their fifth year. Um, Dak took a nice jump, and you hope it continues under Kellen Moore, and his stats looked great. And uh, Wentz has had good stats. He's been solid when he's healthy. But the reason that I lean towards Dak is durability. I I know he's going to play every week, and I can't say that with Wentz. 
Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Durability really is the only difference between the two. And obviously Dak is going to win that battle. Well, Mike, we talked about weeks five, six, seven, and eight. Sounds like we both have the Cowboys going three and one. We're going to lose that game to Philly, unfortunately. But when we combine last week and this week, the Cowboys are going to start off. Is it a five and three? Is that is that our record for the first yeah. eight weeks? Five and three. I and think you can't be mad at that. All eight weeks, too. How crazy is that? We didn't. We don't. We don't go each, over each other's notes. He has no idea what I'm going to say. I don't know what he's going to say as far as the record wise. And so, yeah, us agreeing every week and being five and three means we're definitely going, you know, seven and one or uh, two and five for sure. Now we know that's going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, we don't have a script, guys. So, you know, Mike, it doesn't pretend to uh, be a diehard Cowboys fan. And I try to be the uh, the rational one or, you know, I'm not the diehard. I'm Mike's the rational one to, bringing me back down to earth. These are just our own real opinions that, you know, Mike is the, uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's the, the film guru, the, the draft guy. He knows more about the X's and O's and things like that. And I'm more of the fantasy mind, but at the same time, we're both just real loyal Cowboys fans. And so we're going to always give you our honest opinions because, you know, when you've been a Cowboys fan for as long as we have, we've seen the ups and downs and, We've experienced it all. So the uh, the takes, if you want to call them that, you know, our, our opinions are our own. We don't just try to try to agree, agree all the time or disagree for for good content. This is just honest back and forth between me and Mike here. Yeah, it's not the script. Hey, you hate this and we like this and it'll be good like they did with Orlovsky. Well, they told me to put Wentz fifth so we could have an argument over it. Well, then you don't. That's so annoying. That's that's what I'm talking about. People see it and they're like, see, Wentz is a top five quarterback. And I'm like, Dan Orlovsky didn't even think he was a top five. That doesn't mean he's bad. This is not to add any knock to him. I don't have Dak as a top five quarterback. So, you know, it's just it's it's, you know, that kind of stuff annoys me because people listen to it like it's gospel. And then they come on and think it's a real thing. And I'm like, dude, you're falling for the okie doke. This is a script. They're doing it. for It's it's like a com- I say it all the time. Those shows are comedy skit shows based around, quote unquote, sports debate. So they have their little scripts. And Stephen A does this. I'm from Texas. And I'm this and that. Jerry Jones, my buddy. And none of it's real. They Most of them don't know. He thinks Terrence Williams on the team. Three years later, the guy was in XFL, got cut, and he says it. And people listen to it, and they go on Twitter, and I'm sitting there going, oh, God, I have to listen to you guys. Just let, go Brian Broadus. Go look on the thing. You can find people uh, that actually follow these people and that, are, that actually are knowledgeable on it and aren't just like, hey, let's write out this script to get both sides a, a little thing so we can get ratings and get people on Twitter going blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, I got to admit, I haven't had ESPN for probably going on a year now. And even when I did have it, I did kind of notice that those sports shows, it was just a lot of fabricated arguing and it was just more about drama and storylines and less and less about highlights and 
what was going around in the sports world. So I, I can honestly say that I don't miss it. I, I get better information on Twitter. And if I want to see highlights, I can just go on YouTube or something. So, you know, I, yeah. I'm glad I'm not invested in those shows anymore. Watch them as what they are. Watch them to laugh. If you're watching them as a comedy routine, hey, I'm with you. It, it, it's pretty funny. You know, if you watch it to laugh, but if you watch it to take actual stuff and opinions like that are serious and then go to Twitter like, yeah, this is real. Uh, I heard it on first take. Well, now you've missed the plot. You've missed the point. That's that's bad. That's that's not good. Don't do that. Yeah. If, I mean, if you watch Skip Bayless on TV and then if you happen to follow him on Twitter or just see his tweets from time to time and you still somehow take him seriously and you think that he is a credible source for sports information, then you're, you're really, uh, I'm not sure what to say to you because he is all about uh, the hot takes and the uh, stirring the pot. As He, as you he had hear. Rico gathers as the X factor starting tight end a couple of years ago. And he thought Lyle Collins was drafted to play uh, to, to, move everybody in the line all around and oh, oh god Con- connor williams not law collins connor williams was coming in to play right tackle and law collins was going to move to left guard and he just he's not a real cowboys fans guys don't take that guy seriously please don't seriously just don't yeah you cowboys are one of those teams that they're always going to be under the spotlight, they're always going to be the talk of the town. And I just remember what, you know, during the NFL playoffs, you couldn't go a single game without hearing about what's going to happen with Jason Garrett. And now this entire offseason, it's been all about CD lamb and also what's going to happen with Dak Prescott. So guys, if you, if you really want a informed opinion an unbiased opinion, just hop on Twitter. And like Mike said, you know, you can talk to Brian Broaddus. There's a gentleman named Jeff Cavanaugh. These guys are really close to the Cowboys organization, have ties, have uh, actually reasonable opinions. They don't just uh, expect the Cowboys to, to win the Super Bowl every year. You know, they, they're willing to have open and honest conversations about, you know, not just Dak Prescott, the quarterback, but the defense and things like that. And, you know, there's all sorts of Cowboys fans who you can say, you can have a disagreement with us and we're not going to just block you or mute you. You know, we're going to have an open and honest discussion. So please stop relying on your Cowboys information from Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. I beg you. Yeah. Just listen to us. There you go. Hey, so absolutely. Listen to this podcast. The across the Cowboys podcast. Well, Mike, with that, as we wrap it up, just remind the guys, where can we find you at on Twitter? At CD Piglet. And again, I am Paul Ryan and you can find me at Paul underscore 